Welcome to the Bad Dad Horror Podcast with your hosts, John Couture and Sierra Couture. We all have daddy issues. Ours just comes with an extra helping of blood and gore. Welcome back to the Bad Dad Horror Podcast. I'm your host, John Couture. And I'm your co-host, Sierra Couture. Well, Sierra, we're back for, I don't know, what is this, episode six, seven? I've I think start- seven. Starting to lose count. I do believe you're right. It is episode seven. Uh, for those of you that are playing along at home, a lot of things have happened since uh, the last time we recorded. We've actually gone live with the podcast. The beauty of having all these episodes banked is we were able to release a whole bunch of episodes at one time and still contain do some new content. Uh, unfortunately, we did take a vacation. Halloween kind of rolled in there, and then Sierra was sick for a little bit, so we didn't weren't able to record. And so we're a few episodes behind recording, but don't you threat? We are still watching and going over movies, and we're getting them all recorded and released on a timely schedule. How you feeling, Sierra? You ready to get into it? Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Well, today we are. Oh, first of all. I should say, let's do a little recap so we know exactly what this podcast is all about. If you're tuning in for the first time, the Bad Dad Horror Podcast answers the question, am I a bad dad? And while some of you may jump to the conclusion and say, absolutely yes, that's not maybe necessarily the case. My daughter, who's a tween, started watching Stranger Things and said, hey, you know, I really like this thing called horror and I want to watch some more horror films and, and projects. And I said, well, that's great. Unfortunately, we don't want to have video stores that can help you pick and choose and go on the right path. So being a horror aficionado who probably saw his share, fair share of films too early in life, I decided to take it upon my wing to show these films to her. So join us as we go on this little uh, journey, as it were, into the dark side of film and horror, and um, we try to each week we watch a couple movies, talk about them, and see if it, maybe I am a bad dad. It's the kind of house they don't build anymore, a relic of a time when the world wasn't in such a hurry, when there was still time for a little charm and elegance. It has stood empty for a long while. And at the price, it is a bargain. For a growing young family, it is almost too good to be true. What do you think? I love it. James Brolin, Margot Kidder, Rod Steiger, in the Amityville Horror, 28 days after the Lutz family moved into their dream house. They were running for their lives. What happened to them? is an experience in terror you will never forget and you will believe in the Amityville Horror. From the best-selling book that made millions believe in the unbelievable, the Amityville Horror. All right, jumping right in this week, we have two new films, and you'll see a theme approach pretty quickly. The first film is The Amityville Horror. It's a 1979 film directed by Stuart Rosenberg. It stars James Brolin and Margot Kidder. And probably the best thing I can say about this is it's a film based on a family who buys a house in Long Island. And like many things in, in life, when things are you know too good to be true, they usually are. The, the house is really cheap on the market for a while, and that's because the house has a backstory has a little bit of a past and uh, as the events in the film 
take place, we see that that comes back to bite them. Sierra, what did you feel? How did you feel about the Amityville Horror? Meh. Meh? Yeah, that, that's your one-word response? Meh? Yeah, I mean, well, it was, it was, it was, it was good, but uh, it, it didn't, it didn't, it, I don't know. You don't know? What it did, just, what did just, you care about it? Hmm. I liked how the dog pulled the dude out of the uh, out of going to uh, hell. Then he the pulled other him, dimension, as it were, pulled, from the basement. Yeah. He pulled him out of the little hole thingy, Majig. Right. I well, like that part. Yeah, and, and like most movies, the dog is definitely the hero for sure. And and I know you're very happy whenever the dog survives. And yes. and I know the the greatest moments of trepidation for you in this in this film watching it was the fate of the dog for sure. Um, mm-hmm. what what did you think about the idea the uh, the storyline about the, the the house being cursed? Being that 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 you know. Oh yeah, I really like that part. I like the part where the house bled. That was that mm-hmm. was pretty cool. Yep, and the idea. So, do you think the idea of a place being haunted, like a cemetery or an ancient Indian burial ground, not to tip our hat on perhaps the second film we watched this week, but um, what do you think of the idea of places being naturally cursed, where you know just no matter what you do, there's just nothing you can do. It's just it's just a naturally evil place. Well, I really like that part of it, but. It was more like the house in Amityville Horror. It was kind of like that one was more alive because it kind sure. of it had like the eyes that like yes it had eyes and then it bled like a human being bleeds mm-hmm. and then I also want to say something else. Okay, go ahead. At the end, this is Spoiler not related. Alert. This is not related to the question you said. Sure, but go ahead. But at the end, uh, the eyes like collapse like the mm-hmm. eyes like broke through like sure. the glass broke but then at the very very end like when they're escaping it shows the final shot of the house sure and the eyes are back the right. windows are literally rebuilt so maybe the windows didn't actually break in the in the re, in, in reality maybe it was just a figurative way of showing that the evil has broken because the eyes have been the house have been destroyed metaphorically i i don't know to be honest but one thing we should point out before we go much further in our discussion of the amityville horror is that this is supposedly based upon a true story there is a real house in long island and it does have those windows in the dormers that look like eyes it's a very famous house and uh, for all the wrong reasons a family lives there now and say they have not had any sort of supernatural or any sort of evil uh, place uh, things happen while they've lived in the house. Um, so you know, so that's an interesting thing because this is the first time we've really talked about a true true story. Now, yes, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is supposedly based on a true story, but Ed Gein's mo is very different than the the murderers and Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So it's kind of like a, a accumulation of a couple different stories. So this is really based on true story. Um, so you know, as filmmakers and, and, and director Stuart Rosenberg obviously has to, you know, use a little bit because it's based on true story, but there's obviously fictionalization. I don't think the real house bled, uh, but you know, he used that aspect to show, you know, to, to fictionalize events to make it more, you know, spooky and scary. I also didn't think didn't think it has a hole in it that goes down. It may not. It may. You never know. Some of those old houses in Long Island, you just never know what you're going to find in those houses. Yeah. They they might have a hole in the basement, but I don't think it goes all the way down to hell. You don't think it ever goes all the way down to hell? Well, maybe it just goes to China. Maybe it bypasses <laughs> hell and goes right down to China. What do you think? Maybe? No? Okay. 
Um, what did you think of the um, supernatural aspect? Uh, uh, you know, because we, we've, we've watched a little bit about Amity Horror beyond this movie. We talked about, um, we, we saw some uh, stories about the real murder. Um, and, and, the, and the film takes place, and the book takes place, the Lutz family who only lived in the house for 28 days before finally uh, being overcome by the evil of the house decided to move out. In which some people thought that maybe they, you know, that they were making it up. Do you think they were making it up or do you think, do you believe them? Do you believe that the house could, you know, basically have these bad omens upon it? I mean, it probably has like, I mean, it's probably got like a creepy feeling to it because. Sure. I mean, if you know what happened there. We, we forgot to tell them what happened. Didn't yeah, definitely. And, and we should say that what happened was uh, before the Lutz family, the reason why it was on the market for so long and it, it really reduced prices, the family before them that lived there, uh, one of the sons uh, allegedly um, butchered his entire family, the, the parents and his siblings and four and or five kids. Some of his siblings are like really, really small. Like yeah, really, really definitely. Young. So, uh, you know, so he claimed that he went crazy. He was hearing voices. And, you know, things like that that cause him to lead this murder. And again, you know, it's all based on his interpretation. Somebody who's obviously mentally touched has some issues going on. And we have to wonder if, you know, if the narrator of this case or the person telling the story is being truthful or not completely because we just don't know. I mean, is this person, you know, telling the story to try to save his life? Like, oh, yes, the devil made me do it or the demon made me do it or this is the house is haunted. It's evil. Or did he just flip out one day, lose his mind, needed drugs, who knows, and just killed his family? Um, but yeah, so that is the aspect of what, upon which they bought that house. So yeah, it, it, you know, where does that go for you? Uh, the like aspect of like, uh, yeah, I feel like it definitely has like, maybe it doesn't have like a bad omen, but like mm-hmm. when you get there, it certainly feels like it. Sure. Because you know what happened in the past, it just feels like a place that bad stuff would go down since it had already had that stuff go down. Like if you, if like something really, really bad happens mm-hmm. at one of your favorite places to go, mm-hmm. would you want to go there again if it was like really, really, really bad? I don't know. I mean, if you, you love going to Disney World, right? Mm-hmm. Well, what happens if uh, tomorrow you read that Mickey Mouse went crazy and shot up 20 people <laughs> in Disney World? They're all dead. Now, would that, would that you know put a damper oh, no. on your next trip to Disney World, or would you be less inclined? Yes, to that go? would put a damper, because I'd be scared that the new Mickey Mouse is going to go crazy That's and true. shoot up children again. Yeah, Mickey Mouse doesn't really strike me as the shoot up the park kind of character. That's probably more Goofy. I think Goofy would be more of the mass murderer, don't you think? Yeah, that's why I was laughing because you used Mickey Mouse as an example. Mickey well, maybe Mouse. Mickey Mouse and Minnie Mouse, maybe they go on a little Bonnie and Clyde uh, crime spree through the parks. Who knows? I don't know. Kind of crazy. <laughs> uh, or on a similar track to the movie, let's try to get it back on tracks here. Um, we you know we live in this house. We we weren't the first people to live in this house. There's been multiple families that lived in this house before we did. What would it make your? Would it make it? scary for you if you knew that the first people that lived in this house were murdered in this house were they i don't know would it make you would it make yeah. it it would so uh-huh. you would think that their presence or the evil upon which they were were the first people that lived here murdered they were not don't okay worry. good i know so would but you would think that that would that would definitely shade your opinion of this house mm-hmm, it would so do you think that maybe 
if you knew that coming in, that maybe certain things that would be, you know, coincidental, like, you know, creaking of an old house, you'd think, oh, my gosh, it must be the ghost of the people that were murdered here. Yeah. So you'd, so you'd think that knowing that story ahead of time would definitely cloud your judgment upon this house. So maybe in the same way, the people that moved into the Amityville Horror House knew about the the Lutz family. Maybe they knew about the murders. And, they did. And that, they said that. Yes. And maybe they were... Um, maybe that clouded their judgment of the house and made it, you know, made things that normally old houses built in, you know, the olden days in Long Island maybe have just naturally bad noises or drafts or flies just, you know, spontaneously appear in rooms. I don't know. If a family had been murdered here before I came, Mm -hmm. then, um, excuse me, then, uh, I would... I would be scared whenever, like, sometimes, you know, the fridge just decides to go, like, Yeah. I would be scared when it did that, because i think, oh, my gosh, the ghosts are getting water. Yes, when in reality, the refrigerator is just refilling the ice machine, so... So, you know, so yeah, again, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, all in all, what did you feel about the Amityville Horror? Is it a film that you enjoyed, or is it one that you uh, you could have done without seeing? Could have done without seeing. Okay. It, it was cool, but... It was cool, it's nice to see, but you're ready to move on. Yeah. What would you rank it out of 0 to 10? 7. A 7. So a film that you really didn't want to see, you rate a 7. Man, you must really love horror. Uh, I mean... Six. Six? Okay. Six. I'm, I, if I keep talking, I feel like I'm going to drive this, this rating way down. Um, so then the question remains, we always ask after we watch a film, is Sierra, do you think I'm a bad dad for letting you watch this movie? No. I, don't, I really don't think there's anything that would I mean, stop. I mean, there's not really anything bad in it, though, unless you're, like, sensitive to blood. Well, yeah. I mean, if you're watching horror films, then you're probably there probably isn't going to be a lot to be sensitive to you. I mean, just fair warning for parents out there that are listening. Uh, you know, there is some violence. There is uh, familial violence where, you know, they talk about the story of the, child, of the young of the boy, the man, young man who was a late teenager who murdered his family. So yeah. there's a lot of violence. There's a lot of things. So there's definitely that part involved. That in it, that but... lasts like five seconds, though. And then it moves on. And there there's really nothing bad about it other than if you don't like blood, then mm-hmm. you might not want to watch this movie. Sure. But, again, that scene also only lasts five seconds. So I don't see why anything would be bad with it. Okay, fair enough. The house looks just like the one next to it. And the one next to that. And the one next to that. A young couple live in it. Give Ken a kiss. <laughs> you are so unlucky. With their three children. <laughs> and something more. Moving into our second film this week, uh, keeping on a theme as you are more than, like, more than likely have already figured out, it's Poltergeist. It's a 1982 film directed by Toby Hooper, but more widely considered to be Steven Spielberg's first foray into horror. He wrote and produced the film, and it is a film of a family who moves into a house, um, a new house. It was new build, and, and the father figure actually worked for the company that built the houses, so that's part of it. And... 
from the moment they move in, they start having odd things happen in this house. And, you know, since the house is brand new, there's been no murders. There's not, nothing like the Amityville Horror um, where there's, you know, murders and past evil that maybe have seeped yeah. into the walls. But yet things are not quite right. And we come to find because. out there's, the house has a poltergeist. Sierra, what do you think of this film? Uh, I think it was, I think it was really good. I think it was really good, but it's not just because the house had a poltergeist. It was sure. also built on top of a like cemetery. Right. No, it was, it was, you're right. It was definitely, it was built on an old Indian burial ground. And, and you, you, you figure out later on that they were, spoiler alert, they thought that they had moved it, mm-hmm. but they had only just moved the tombstones. Right. They didn't Famous the line from the movie. They didn't move the bodies. They just moved the headstones. Yeah. So basically they built this entire community over an ancient Indian burial ground, left the bodies. The bodies are obviously pissed and they take, <laughs> they take their revenge out on the people that are now living above them. Um, and, you know, there's some classic scenes in this film. Um, you know, the scene of the mom who's in the the pool the swimming pool that's being uh, constructed um gets down in the water and the skeletons start popping out and that's a very spooky scene for sure um there's also the sequence of the clown uh the clown attack in the room that creepy clown is just i mean that i mean again you know i saw this movie way too young uh when it came out i was only eight years old i probably saw it before i was 10 and that clown creeped me out i mean that clown was in my nightmares for many years did you get any nightmares after watching it? do you have any fear of clowns now no. Well, I always had a fear of clowns. Sure. Like, I've never liked clowns. So we shouldn't watch it, then? No, I want to watch it. You want to watch it? I like being scared. Oh, you like being scared? Well, clowns, will, that'll definitely be a movie that'll scare you. Clowns I, yeah, I hate clowns. I have, like, a fear of clowns. Yeah. Well, but um, the clown in this one was definitely scary, definitely. Mm-hmm, but not sure. too bad. Not too bad? Okay. Well, um, again, one of the interesting side facts of this film, there's many side facts of this film because it is one of the uh, iconic horror films of the 80s. Um, it, you know, again, it was it was created by Steven Spielberg, who's you know, gone on to be known. He did E.T. He did a lot of family-friendly films. Um, the film was initially rated R by the Motion Picture Association of America, and uh, um, Toby Hooper and Steven Spielberg appealed the MPA on the rating, and they got... They won their appeal, one of the famous films that won the appeal, and it, the film is now rated PG. I would argue this film is probably, um, should have been rated R or PG-13. Now, of course, at the time they didn't have PG-13, this is one of those films um, of which they they realized, you know, yes, we need somewhere something between a PG and an R because this film is certainly not PG material. Maybe it's not hard R material, but it's definitely somewhere in the middle. Um, so did you think this film was okay being a PG movie? I think they should come out with a PG-9 material. PG-9? this is where I would put that. Okay. Because, because it's not, like, it's not for five-year-olds, but it's not, uh, like, scary for older kids. So, okay. I don't think it's PG-13, I think it's PG-9, which does not exist, but <laughs> if it did. Well, interestingly, you say that. We watched the movie, uh, with the whole family, So, and your brother is just turned nine, uh, so he would fit in this PG-9 radio, although I will say that he kind of got spooked out, out of, out of the whole family, he probably got spooked out the most by this film, uh, because it is, it's definitely a scary film, don't get me wrong, it, it's, it is pretty scary. 
Um, and he definitely took, uh, took, took some scares to it. So maybe PG 13 is the right one for this. Do you, um, what do you think in terms of the film itself? I think it was good. I really liked how the TV people were mm-hmm. like, I really liked, yeah. You like the TV people, like that idea mm-hmm. of of the that, hand, like mm. of people being only where trapped. Yeah, this kind of start. I feel I don't know if this really started it, mm-hmm. but I think I don't know. But I think this started like the thing about only the little kids being able to see uh, something in the TV, like the TV. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Yeah, I mean, there's certainly different. Um, there's this certainly there are things that in in horror and other films where where, the, where young children or young people are more sensitive to seeing things that adults can't see, because of the fact that you know we become jaded or we just don't see things as clearly or as creatively as young people. And I think there's part of that because I, I definitely Caroline is used by the people that are trapped between the worlds because they are being, you know, in the sense they're basically not at rest because their tombstone, their tombs, their graves have been disturbed. Um, and, and they don't want to go on into the light as it were to, to move beyond our current dimension, uh, to this one. Now it makes an interesting thought though for you. Now this is separate from ghosts cause they don't really manifest themselves as ghosts in this film. Um, they're kind of not seen, for the most part, there are some instances where they are, there is some, um, uh, where they do appear in a physical type of format, but usually they're not. So, uh, do you think, no, we talk about, you know, do you believe in ghosts? Do you believe that there's different planes of, of um, of cognition is where like we live and we're on one plane, then we die and move on to a second plane or a different place, what have you. And that maybe there is like an in-between world where people or souls or whatever you want to call that could get trapped like poltergeist hmm yeah i definitely think there's a life after life okay an afterlife sure but i don't know if you just kind of teleport there or if there's like something you have to do to get there like like Mm. an in-between so you think there might be an in-between in-between plane or place where we you have to either earn your way into the next world or make up for your misdoing misdeeds and, and evil that you've done in one in the first world yeah that's an interesting idea um do you think uh and, and again we haven't seen the sequels there are sequels to this film uh again you know it, 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 every i always feel the sequels tend to do you know for the most part are worse than the original film uh but i you know it's an interesting film it kind of had an ending that was very similar to another film that we watched um and what film was that sierra Was it which one was it? Um, what, what happened at the end of Poltergeist? What happened to the house at the end of Poltergeist? Oh, it uh felt it like crumbled to the ground, kind of like Carrie. Yes, kind of like Carrie, kind of just disappeared. Uh, which you know, Carrie again was another film that was rooted upon evil, um, and, and perhaps evil within that particular spot. Um, and oh, I should also mention this. This was uh, this film was actually this directed by another director that you've seen before, on uh, Toby Hooper. Do you remember which film he directed? Uh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yes, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. You're right. Which I also like that. Which one. you also like that one. So you know you're starting to see that certain directors, um, uh, you know, do well in horror and tend to stay within that realm of horror. Uh, Toby Hooper is is a prime example. Um, there's obviously a lot more examples as we move on. Uh, but this is the first chance where you've had an opportunity to see. Well, I guess Alfred Hitchcock also 
you know, he did a couple movies. You've seen Birds and Psycho, which are both horror films. But this is, you know, kind of the first one that's kind of two separate films within horror. You kind of see how they're, you know, that people are gravitating towards these masters of horror, the people that are definitely uh, like to make these movies, types of movies. So uh, a question, do you, do you like Poltergeist or Texas Chainsaw Massacre more? Texas Chainsaw Massacre, probably. Okay, fair enough. Uh, what did you think about Poltergeist? Do you think that's a film that you would you would show your kids if you were in my place, sure. Sure, when yeah. you have kids someday. I mean, if they wanted to watch it. Sure, you well, you wouldn't sit them down and force like you were going to watch this horror movie. No, yeah, if they wanted to watch it, I would let them. Okay, do you think? Uh, what well, we asked the question, like we we come to the end of it. Is there anything else that you'd like to add about Poltergeist before we move on? Um. Yeah, I'd like to add something about how why like I thought that Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Sure. I kind of liked how they had, like, a final girl in that one. Okay. And I also kind of liked how everywhere she went for help, like, suddenly that there was another person there that was trying to not help her. That yeah, was she was definitely, uh, she was definitely, uh, every time, every way she turned, she turned into more and more evil people. Um, which is interesting because you, you brought the idea of a final girl and to be honest, this is the one thing, you know, even though it is, you know, the film is rated PG, it was initially rated R, um, how, you know, pop quiz, how many people died in Poltergeist? Zero? Correct. Good answer. Ding, 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 ding. Now, see, if we were a better podcast with higher budgets, we would have like a little sound effect. We'd go, ding, but we don't have that, so we have to make our own. Uh, yes, yeah, absolutely. No one died in, during the during the well during the filming. I don't know about the sets, but uh, in the film itself, no one died in Poltergeist. So it's all about people who have died previously, and none of the while there's lots of terror and lots of scaries that go through the original Poltergeist. Not a single person died uh, in Poltergeist. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it's a it's a film with no body count, but lots of scares. And uh, if you're ranking that between zero and ten, one and ten, how would you rank Poltergeist? I would rank that one uh eight. An eight? Not bad. You like your horror films. Poltergeist is great. It's a classic. I'm glad we were able to watch it as a family, for sure. Well, that pretty much wraps up this week's episode of the Bad Dad Horror Podcast. I know it's not as long as normal, but we're getting back in the saddle things, as it were. And we got great things on the horizon. We've got that extra lost special Halloween episode that will eventually come out at some point. And who knows, we may finally have gotten into the Jason Voorhees section of horror. But that's time for another day. Until then, we'll be Be back. back. There are certain rules that one must abide by in order to successfully survive a horror movie. Never, ever, ever under any circumstances say, I'll be right back. Because you won't be back. I'm getting another beer. You want one? Yeah, sure. I'll be right back. (laughs) 